Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Well, whoopity-doo, it is the Oz Network in the home stretch, the last four of 24 season six. Uh, it's almost over and done with. For everybody who's tuned out throughout the last 20 weeks, don't worry, you can tune back in and a couple more. Uh, we are here to talk about episode number 21 of season six, 2 a.m. to 3 a.m., uh, written by Manny Cotto, directed by Brian Spicer. And aired May the 7th, 2007, which I came prepared. Oh, uh, the famous date where Ludwig van Beethoven's Ninth Symphony premiered in Vienna That's in 1824. It. I remember it, it is, like it was 200 years ago. It's 200 year anniversary. <laughs> uh, this is such good news. I, I do have a bit of help. I, I got one of these on this day calendars. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I love those things. I used to have them oh, all the time when I was growing up. Uh, but uh, I, I kind of thought this was like a, a double uh, finale where they aired it one night after, but, but no, completely wrong. They got this episode, another week for the next one, and then the final two aired in the, the one episode. Did you look at birthdays at least, Colin? I can tell you it's Mr. Beast's birthday on May 7th, that YouTuber that apparently is famous. So there you go. He he composed something along the significance of the Ninth Symphony, right? Yeah, him and Beethoven often often confused. <laughs> There's really nobody famous's birthday out. I mean, like literally, this is one of those ones that even if you scroll down low, that it's not like they've just put somebody. I mean, I I'm sure we've well, heard of Mr. Beast. No one else I've heard of on this list. Melody Valadez, uh, YouTube star, cool. If this had aired May 6, it could have been Happy Birthday, Remy and Casey Hilding. Ah, oh, um, yay, the good one. And. Th- Three days ago, happy birthday, Casper. So uh, busy week I, for I, me. I still, I still love, sorry, I know we're going to introduce this episode, but I just love the fact that you can clearly tell when you and Jamie have sex because your children <laughs> are like all basically have the same birthday many years apart. So it's, 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 yeah, because the kids are three years apart. So if we actually work <laughs> out the math, three days, there's a once a day thing that happens in the Hilding household. Or, sorry, once a day, sorry, ja- once a year. Once a day, Jamie, is it Jamie? It'd be Jamie's birthday, wouldn't it? Not yours. Uh, no, the math wouldn't check out on that because she's born in April. Um, well, May 5, 4, I'd have to backtrack. Will that be September? anniversary? August, uh, no, not anniversary. What's um, happening in August? <laughs> I don't know. Let's look up famous dates Arbor in Day. August. <laughs> it, it was, it was, uh, whoever the YouTube <laughs> sensations, uh, Wayne Gretzky's breakthrough. <laughs> Every Canadian gets a whole pass that day. <laughs> that's that's when everybody's conceiving children, anyway. Uh, anyway. Anyways. This episode aired on that famous date, um, and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about the death of Milo. Um, rest in peace. A little too early. My name is Colin, and uh, I wish I was never even born. Based on this episode, I agree. Uh, my name is Ben, and I wrote two quotes down. You use one of them. The other one is, if you make a move, I'll have them put you in restraints. Oh, and that's how children get conceived and- <laughs> back in August. Happy 2024, everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I kind of have mixed feelings on this episode uh, because there are some good action points to it, but it's so nonsensical. Uh, and I mean, maybe at this point, I've kind of given up on the season, but it's just, it's, it's, it's not even just the Marilyn and Josh family drama. It's the Lisa and Michael Shanks drama. It's the Milo and Nadia and, and Ricky Schroeder drama. It's just we're right back into soap opera territory. And uh, even the action stuff we have, I mean, it's very reminiscent of a certain movie starring Bruce Willis uh, <laughs> down to the smallest details that I found it a little hard to completely enjoy. But uh, there, there's some redeeming qualities about this episode, but I mean, make mistakes about it. This is going to be a bin for me. It's a terrible episode. 
I'm sorry. This is uh, spoiler alert. I bottom ten of all time episode of twenty four. Not the worst of all time, but it is the worst of this season. Uh, and that's saying something. We've had a few of those, but it's just. I mean, like CTU gets attacked again. Like I mean, really, and they go for this whole like shock element of like, oh, where are Cheng's people going? Oh, look, they're underneath it, and it's just like it's that easy to break in. I mean, it's. Don't get me started on next season about how you can break into the most secure places in the world with invisible tunnels. But, like, it's just, ah, oh, it's it's terrible. And, like, it's just, let's bring back Jack's family drama. Oh, look, Chang's working with Jack's dad. Oh, plot twist. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of freaking holes that creates for the fact that he's been in China for 18 months and what he's been working with his dad the whole time. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then just you bring back Josh... This is the episode that I don't think anybody can defend Josh. Like, you're like, oh, no. he's so bad. Yeah. So, so freaking bad. And, like, I mean, I've marked it down, spoiler alert, as a potential top five because it's a major character death, but it's the most cheap and pointless major character death in 24 history. Mm. They try to, like, I remember watching this live going, oh, shock. But, like, once you know it's happening, it's just, it's like, bang, done. Thanks, Milo. Bye. And then let's just move on. And, like, literally next week, it's like, oh, remember that Milo guy? We don't either. Let's move on to the rest of the season. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, it just, this, this, you, I feel you can skip this episode and you really don't miss out on much. Uh, you're just wondering what happened to Milo. <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know. And then, like, Chloe and, Morris have a fight. Oh, that <laughs> might that might be my least favorite part of the episode. And Jack, Jack's like, Jack's kind of pointless in this episode. Um, his old man yells at Cloud, "I should be out there helping. Well, maybe I can help from here. Don't take the boy. I'll stand here in my handcuffs." Like, I mean, it's just like, uh, okay. And Doyle, ugh. Uh, no, you see, I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm not gonna say that Doyle is the greatest character ever, but I feel like we've gotten past the worst hump of Doyle several weeks ago. And I, I'm I, I'm enjoying the position he has here, and I just wish they had this from the beginning because I feel like they finally hit a groove with him, and he's not like you know completely dynamic. But I, I feel like this is what they kind of need in the show, and he's serving his purpose at least at this point. Yeah, not minus maybe some much. of the awkward stuff, <laughs> but but minus some of the awkward stuff with Nadia and and Milo doesn't really make any sense. Um, this is mostly a chronological episode. Yeah. I'm just going to get uh, two things out of the way first. First, I'll get the uh, um, the the Lisa and Michael Shank stuff out of the way because uh, she calls him up, says, hey, all business is taken care of here. You want to continue to do that thing that we were doing that a lot the of Canadians like, uh, Canadians like us love to do on August the 15th or whatever <laughs> the date is? <laughs> I love that. Colin, Colin says that as a joke, but he knows the day they have sex. That's right. They're Canadian. They know, I'm right? I'm sick today, uh, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I haven't had any kids in four years. Um, but uh, uh, I, I like him going back and forth where he's like, oh, well, do you think that uh, the president is going to be able to keep his paws off you? And she's like, yeah, he's uh, he's not too happy with me right now. <laughs> Moving on. Let's go back to what we're doing. Uh, what I really do like about this is the conversation that Lisa and uh, Lennox have together, though. Uh, because... I think the audience might be too quick to sympathize with her. I mean, you know, none of this is her doing. She didn't intentionally leak secrets, but she was sleeping with somebody and, you know, information is getting passed and she was sleeping with the president, you know, at the same time. Um, But uh, the the way that he uh, says, or she says to him about, uh, you know, I'm frightened. I don't know if I can go through with this. And he's like, well, you should be frightened because if this doesn't work, you're going to prison for treason. I'm like, yeah, you're right, Lennox, and it's not Lennox like you know taking a stab at her or anything. He's he's being completely honest. You're going to prison if this doesn't work out. Um, and uh, when she gets in the room with him, she's playing a little bit standoffish, uh, which uh, then comes down to him. I don't know if he's being suspicious at this point. Like, I don't remember everything about this story. Like, is he, is he on to her? Uh, her being a little standoffish does seem a little bit suspicious. But then she's like, I'm just going to go clean up first. Don't feel the need to clean up. Oh, I'm just really stressed about all the stuff going on in the office. You said the conflict was wrong. Wouldn't an easy thing to be? I work for the president of the United States. There's always some conflict and I shouldn't be talking with you about it because, you know, I know that you're not like a spy for the Russians or anything, but (laughs) um, they they do a little kissy kissy, which then results in a little gropey gropey (laughs) as they're naked naked on the bed together uh, doing the Canadian thing here. It's August the 15th and I'm in the bedroom with Jamie. (laughs) 
That's how Jamie. Uh, hey, hey, Colin, do you want to do the kissy kissy and the gropey gropey? The, the, the naked, field? naked, gropey gropies? <laughs> um, I'm using that but, next uh, time I have a Tinder date. That's pretty much it. She seems to be enjoying herself by the end. She's standing off at the beginning, but I mean, that's Michael Shanks, so uh, she no. comes around. Uh, the other thing I want to <laughs> get out of the way just... the kissy kissy and the gropey gropey and the naked <laughs> the gropey, naked. Gropey. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> uh, the other stuff I want to get out of the way is just the Josh and Marilyn stuff pre Die Hard here. Um, because we have Josh, 12,000 people are dead all because of what dad did. Oh, I wish I was never up. born. Okay, every time anybody in a TV or movie says, I wish I was never born, I'm always just like, shut up. Like, <laughs> I have no sympathy for people who say that. It's, uh, it's just, it's such an overused line and everything. Uh, but then yeah, you kill add your it, depression, like, you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I'm so I'm sorry to Evan, whoever you know. I, we know you Rip. passed away, and every I'm sure everybody listening to this is like, we kind of wish you weren't born too, Josh. <laughs> and we this is the all wish in 2023. We we know that they're <laughs> we know that they're watching <laughs> the message boards and everything at this point, and they're listening to the fans. This must have been like a thread somewhere on like. 24 wiki we wish josh was never born let's write it into the script so, so um, hang on. what we've learned in the last couple of minutes is that colin likes to call sex the kissy kissy the naked naked the grover groby and the actor who plays josh is dead suck it we, we've got our wish oh. i'm saying the writers wrote this in here because the fans of the time the writers are murderers it's all yeah, the writers fault he's holding me we, back we, we couldn't we couldn't do it back in 2007 because this whole thing about children they can't be harmed on television. I, but he's he's got, come of age now. I, I got to say, we'll ruin the illusion of podcasting. We uh, this is the first episode of 24 that we're recording in 2024. I realize this has been released at the beginning of March, but we're a little bit ahead right now. And you know, I like to think every year we grow as a podcast that maybe we adapt our style, our comedy, nope. maybe. Nope, we're starting 2024 with, hey, gropey, gropey, and that actor deserved to die because the character was shit and he wished. These, these guys are kid, but who cares? You suck. I, I said, forgive Don't us. Don't defend yourself. Family. Go with it's, it, Colin. Go with it. It's the character that's the problem. And yes, we do want the character to die at this point. Become okay, we're ben, just going to be honest. Release your inner evil. <laughs> who cares? You're bitter, you're old. This kid deserved to die. Suck it, Josh. Go on. Uh, so while this is going on, Chloe feels the need to come to Maryland to go over reviewing her transcript from for what seven hours two that they've in the been debriefing. <laughs> and again, though, I, the 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 protocol they have where they have to do seven hours of debrief with Marilyn Bauer and then have to have her review the transcripts to sign off on it. But Philip whose business is tied to the terrorists, is there, Jack, I think I'm going to take off early. All right, Dad, see you later. Like, come on, there's no protocol here. Um, well, when they bring in Mr. Replacement next week, I mean, he's got a lot of solid points. Uh, and uh, Chloe, of course, breaking all protocols again. So I just thought I should let you know, that lady that you just heard the name of in passing, that you decided to tell Jack she's dead, she's actually alive. Oh, gee, I feel awkward now. Um, they decide then to take her to see Jack, who is under arrest, by the way, but let's take his sister-in-law so that she could pass on the condolences for his girlfriend who's not dead, but now she feels worse because she's not dead. Um, yeah, this stuff's awful. I just, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. You can all die. All of you. I just, like, I'll get to the Lisa Miller stuff, but again, it's like two in the morning. Why are they still there? And like... This is the thing. It's not just CTU forgotten about. The writers have forgotten. This is what been at least six, seven episodes. I mean, we've had a good stretch of episodes with a couple of bad ones because the Bowers family wasn't in this. And then the writers have gone, we should bring them back. Where did we last leave them? Oh, shit, they're still at CTU. Oh, we'll just pass it off that they're sitting there waiting. Now, like, we've all been in situations where we've had to wait for long hours. I mean, I think of a hospital. If we've ever been to a hospital, generally you're in a hospital for like mm. 12 hours. So somebody goes, oh, you're fine. Have some Panadol and piss off. So, like, this to me is them just sitting around and, like, again, this has been now, what are we, 21 hours into this day? Uh, so that's at least 17 hours since the nuclear bomb. Why? Like, I don't want Marilyn to be sitting there going, oh, Josh, you really need to stop watching this go to bed. It's like, get over it, Josh. It was 17 hours ago. You've been saying this. <laughs> I wish you were never born either. I'm so I'm trying to sleep. I'm tired. It's 2 a.m. Um, like, there's no reason why they're still there. And then, then Chloe just, do, 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 here's your transcript. Like, this is my dad who complains more than I do. He'd be like, 
Bitch, I've been here for 17 hours and you want me to just read what I said? I said it. I, I, I agree with it. Then let me go home. I missed freaking Leno. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm shitty. Britney Spears is on tonight. Uh, um, it's Yeah, it's terrible. I wish he wasn't born either. Shut up, you little shit. Um, it gets worse. He's hanging out with Ricky Schroeder soon. So um, the, 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 the Miller stuff, I mean, I, it's... I, I guess it's probably the best stuff of the episode, but that's saying something because even this is terrible because this the the wiki, the CTU wiki, the 24 wiki points it out. We've been saying this for quite some time about how this is just a direct copy of what happened in season one with uh, with the Elizabeth Nash character and Alexis Strazen yeah. character. And it's just, that was, I mean, we didn't really like that back in season one, but that's brilliant compared to this because, I mean, you've never yeah. seen it before and Jack's involved. This is just... It feels to me, and it takes a lot to make Powers Booth bored, but they just <laughs> almost seem bored. And why is Lennox on a sting operation? Like, even the president says to him, and I feel this is just retconning my question, oh, I know this isn't exactly in your job description, Tom. And then he's just like, well, you know, it's 2 a.m., got nothing else to do. A nuclear bomb just went off that day. You've got 12-year-olds in L.A. still concerned about this. You're the president's <laughs> chief of staff. You're like, well, nothing else to do. I'm going to go watch a hot blonde woman have sex with Michael Shanks. Um, because literally the, the second half of this episode is them watching them have sex. Um, eh, it's just like, what is the point? Peter McNichol is great. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I just... Uh, 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 uh. As our review of the episode, uh, Starting off 2024 with, eh, eh. just how we ended it. That's, eh. our new, that's our new review system. Buy it, rent it, bin it. Eh. Eh. <laughs> that actually could fit in there. <laughs> that's like how Oz, that's the official slogan of the Oz Network. The Oz Network. Yeah. Eh. Uh, so the rest of the stuff here, uh, we get uh, Nadia coming in and telling Jack uh, that uh, the Hellers are gone, both um, Audrey and James. And he just wanted to reiterate, stay away from his daughter. <laughs> Is this to fill in the audience or is this, he really wanted to make a point here? They knew that uh, a podcast would be recording this in the future about four <laughs> weeks apart so that to refresh their memories. <laughs> yeah. Well, but they even say now there's an update because now he's getting a restraining order no. because he's had time to call that in. That works in about four hours. <laughs> Secretary of Defense, really good at those restraining orders. <laughs> um, Jack does ask about Bloomfield. That's the, the name that Audrey had given them. Uh, they say, yes, we were able to to analyze the copper deposits on Audrey's shirt and tie it to this Bloomfield <sighs> factory or whatever. And we've already got under surveillance and they work very quickly there. Um, but uh, she does remind Jackie still under arrest. And uh, he, he asks, uh, is there any way that I could like run field ops from the office? And she's like, Jack, my replacement is going to be here within the hour. <laughs> Which, so trust me, I will pass it along to them, but I don't think it's happening. You do love kind of like the moment where it's like all tense, like, Jack, I will put you in restraints if you try something. Like, I just want Jack to be like, bitch, please, if I wanted to try something, you'd already be dead. Like, just, <laughs> like, because he kind of got this like, oh, I'm, I'm well, sad. I'm sad, Jack, look. But but there's that that nice moment where he kind of like looks at the guards or whatever, and Naughty's like, don't even think about it. Yeah, <laughs> I know where you're going with but, this. But again, it's just like, I think this is one of those moments where I see what they're doing and I, I, I like a vulnerable Jack, but like kind of as we talked a bit about last season, the moment when Kim kind of gave that speech and then was it Audrey was like, or Chloe was like, Jack, are you all right? And he's like, no, like go somewhere else mm. with that. Like, well, even this season where you kind of get the, I don't know if I can do anything more with this. Like in five minutes time, Jack's going to like, damn it, I hear gunshots fires. And then he's getting like, I don't know. Like, it's just, you go there. And also can I just say Nadia, like, she, I mean, she does a great job. Marissa McNichol, Nickel, whatever her name is. <laughs> Nick, I've got Peter McNichol. McNichol, McNichol, we're doing this again. Ha, funny. Nipple, Nickel. <laughs> the nipple, nipple, the naked, naked. Um, <laughs> but she, like, goes from being like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, to like, I'm the boss and your mission should you choose to accept it, which we're about to say. And I'm just jumping in here because I know I'm going to forget this, which when she gives this, like, speech to Doyle and the gang, don't you love that very convenient line of, we are sending every available agent out in the field oh, right yeah. now. That's that's akin to um, No Time to Die. It's Spectre. It looks like it's all of them. It's all of Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, what are the odds that something bad might happen now at CTU when all of the available agents just happen to be at one location? 
Uh, but, but are you saying you don't like that Naughty is just taking charge? Of no, no, I mean, it's more... we did see this with uh, what, like when Jack had Audrey and she told the Bloomfield yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, she yeah, already yeah. was like, get in the door. Solid point. I, I forgot about that. Again, it's been a few weeks since we recorded. So <laughs> that's a good point. But I guess it's just, I, I don't like, if you're going to have these moments with a character where they question their abilities and that's completely fine. I, I am all for a, a character growth and, and having them question if they're good enough for something. Don't then make them good at something within the space of 20 mm. minutes. Like, that's what I'm saying. And it feels, it's kind of like my Logan argument last season. It kind of felt like you went from Logan to Bond villain Logan at the click of a button. And like, I feel there needs to be a bit of gradual build there. So to me, it feels that Nadia went from a, oh, I don't know if I'm capable to, you guys are going to do this, America. Like, it's just a bit that to me. Um, uh, The rest of the stuff before we get to, I guess, the, the rate of CTU here, uh, the soap opera stuff. We'll also say Cheng has shown a couple of times and he's got his team who is moving into the sewers as Mike's moving in. Mike's team comes in. They find nothing other than crates for some massive arsenal so there's gonna be a, a huge threat we don't know what this arsenal is for um i will say i really love the the head henchman here uh what's his name uh, Zhu or whatever i love this guy he's great he's, he's a i do wonder why all character. of Cheng's men, but but i wonder why all of cheng's men it's like listen we could have you in bulletproof vests we could have you in combat gear no you guys are all going in wife beaters sexy for Chinese reason? And mercenaries. come on they're sexy this guy's got the they're, guns i don't like this they'll guy. send you into the sewer and then into ctu probably one of those heavily guarded heavily armed government buildings in all the united states in wife beaters i don't know why but i do like this guy they got like a huge mm. physical presence mm. um I, I love the more we're getting with milo later on but the rest of the soap opera stuff that's happening is cheng's team's moving in through the sewers uh, more stuff in the episode here. Uh, just so that you're aware, Chloe and I have split up in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> I love they've actually come to an agreement. We have split up, not just we had an argument, but we are now ending our marriage again. Uh, Milo playing it kind of like, okay, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> Appreciate it. Which then leads him to go to Nadia. So by the way, um, if there's something going on with you and Mike, it has been like, what, five hours? What do you think they've been doing in five hours? Like they've been doing the kissy kissy and the naked naked gropey gropey. My, Milo's like going out, to, <laughs> going out to a guy like, you want to have some uh, kissy kissy gropey gropey naked naked? It's just, it's one thing to be like, so look, uh, clearly you and I are not getting along right now. Something happened. She's just going to fall in love with Mike in the last five hours off two conversations. But the way that this all winds up with him saying, I just want to let you know, it is Return of the Jedi. I've been, I've been joking about, uh, oh, is, is it Joe Lucas? I can tell. Now we've literally come down to, just so you're aware, I'm not going to stand in the way. When, when, when Mike gets back, I won't get in the way. <laughs> it is literally now the exact same scene as Princess Leia and Han at the end of Return of the Jedi. Why? This is com This is something coming from me, right? I just want to preface that. This guy's too clingy. Like, I mean, seriously, they, they, <laughs> they shared like a kiss like six hours ago. And now all of a sudden he's like, oh. That he forced on her too, by the way. <laughs> exactly. And all of a sudden he's just like, oh, well, you know, if you like Mike, I'm going to move on then. Like, I was so nutty. Like, bitch, we had one kiss. Like, in the workplace, inappropriate. Fast forward a few years, you'll be arrested. Uh, you deserve to get yeah. shot in the head, you sexual deviant. Um, you deserve to die alongside Josh. But, like, no, it's like, again, like, dude, calm down. I know she's hot. Like, we've all been there. We've kissed a hot girl. And we'll be like, oh, God, my dick's a bit harder. I might pursue this. But like, one kiss. If you, unless you're Colin Hilding, it doesn't lead to marriage, all right? <laughs> it, it leads to kids on August the 15th. <laughs> <laughs> Colin again, as I always say, doesn't know he's married. He's like, oh, <laughs> Colin doesn't realize Is that, that what that ceremony was for. Colin doesn't realize that just because you kiss a woman, you don't have to get a, get married and have kids. <laughs> Colin, you're allowed to like kiss multiple women if you're not officially tied down to them, and men and children too. Um, <laughs> oh no, no, no! Stop there! Stop there! <laughs> I was going with an Obi Wan quote, a uh, Hayden Christensen quote, but I realized it, did, it didn't you, didn't quite translate that well. <laughs> It's one of those ones where that joke's not funny. <laughs> They're holding me back. Anyways, this soap opera drama, um, the one, I guess, good part of this is a little bit of the drama coming out that we get from Carla Rhoda when uh, Chloe gives <laughs> this, first of all, her terrible line about, uh, you broke up with me. First of all, nobody broke up with anybody. You broke up with me because I said something stupid and I didn't mean it. 
Uh, but then out of this, we get my uh, Milo, not Milo, Morris. I want to dance. Milo is not going to get confused like, anymore. <laughs> you broke up with me after one movie, Chloe. I thought we had something. Is it I Mike? Is that who it is? <laughs> Hey, all of you. I will stand in the way between anybody in this office and Mike. I just want to let that be known. But uh, uh, the, him having this, uh, this, I, I don't know if you want to call it a revelation or whatever, where he's like, I'm not breaking up with you because of what you said. I'm breaking up with you because what you said is true. And I did this and I don't deserve happiness. Like it, it's, it's time back into what we've seen a couple times throughout the season with like Morris just doubting himself with, we criticize so many seasons for not really having the ramifications. Like, uh, oh, you were just, held hostage and now everything's fine. He got a guy who works for the government. He worked for the government even before he was brought into the show. I mean, this is a guy who has had history with CTU and, and other things. Maybe he's never been in danger before, but what he went through, almost having his head drilled, having to arm a nuclear bomb, almost being you know guilty himself of 12,000 deaths. I mean, he'd be saying, I wish I was never born. Deal with Ricky um, Schroeder, he, deal with Josh. I, I, <laughs> I, I buy Morris's guilt way more than I buy Josh's guilt. So I mean, that's the one thing I'll say this positive about this is, we at least have Morris still dealing with this trauma he went through. I mean, look, I can't disagree with you. I was going to be an absolute hypocrite, but what I just said a few moments ago about, you know, changing a character. So I agree with it, but it's, it just feels out of place in this episode because of all the other stuff we've got going. And again, I guess the argument is, well, you know, does it make sense if you ignore this and all of a sudden they're getting held hostage. But like, this is where I think the growth of Morris takes a different turn. And I think you go somewhere else with it because Again, this guy is exactly what you're saying, reeling still from being captured and tortured. This guy's got some PTSD, and now you've got mm. some hot Chinese mercenaries in wife beaters rocking up, and he's just all like, oh, well, Milo just died in front of me. Like, I mean, like, it, there should be some triggering going on there. It's a, it's a really weird um, comparison, but you obviously know Deep Blue Sea, the Michael Rappaport yeah. character, how, like, he's kind of like the, the scaredy cat. Like, he doesn't want to go out there because he keeps seeing people getting eaten. And I think it's the um, I think it's the famous Samuel L. Jackson moment where he gets eaten, and then you kind of you. I always just remember this shot of Michael Rappaport, and you kind of see him like shivering in a corner even more. Like he's so traumatized by the amount of mm. people that are getting killed in front of him that he's just almost just lost that will. So just like, oh my god, like what is going on? Um, it's a very weird comparison. The uh, the, the strong acting. Of, I like it. I love Michael Rappaport and follow him on Instagram. He's fucking hilarious in, as he is in everything he's been on. But the point is like, it's just, I feel like Boris needs to have some sort of reaction to this thing happening. Cause this whole fight is kind of summarizing why he's so doubting himself, but uh, do we need it? Like, uh, you know, you're holding me back. We don't lie. <laughs> you're turning the children. <laughs> uh, so the rest of the stuff here, the, the kind of good stuff, um, the mercenaries break in through the floor. Uh, I do like the, the, the slight bit of, of heads up that we get. Where who are you laughing at? Just the fact that there is a hatch in the floor that leads <laughs> this from is, Bloomfield for the next two seasons. This is a trope of twenty-four secure government facilities. Oh, there's a tunnel we can go underneath. I mean, like where was Osama bin Laden and made of whatever date this was, two thousand and seven. Like, is he watching this going, shit, I didn't need to blow up the trade centers. I didn't have to go through the oh, floor. Oh, we could have gone through the sewers. Oh, like, it's that easy. We like, The White House next season is even more laughable. <laughs> but, like, I mean, seriously. And, like, li again, this is, sorry, I'm jumping in here. But it's just, like, it makes no sense. Like, last at the yeah. end of last week, Cheng's like, oh, the component's broken. Damn, we better find somewhere else to do it. So he rocks up to a building. Hey, sexy shirtless guy. Remember that whole thing we talked about maybe invading 24's head, the, the TV show headquarters? <laughs> <laughs> Not Grey's Anatomy, 24. Um, <laughs> we just happen to have some, uh, you, you know, plans of the building that we got from Jackson. None of this makes sense. None of it makes sense. And also, this does sort of get explained in a couple of weeks very badly. Cheng is like the consulate security guard or he's like a Chinese consulate. Why does he have like a mercenary army attacking mm. the United? This is an act. This is a hypocrite Chang move. This is exactly the reason why he hates Jack Bauer because he invaded sovereign territory. He is on foreign soil invading government facilities. Act but is war. that the reason he's doing it? No, he, they, you, it does get explained that he's like being denounced by the Chinese government and he's working on his own. Mm. There's some loose explanation because I remember watching this at the time going, he's like a government official doing this. This makes no yeah. sense. He's a politician. Exactly. So um, anyway, I know you didn't even touch that. I'm ranting already. I'm getting it out. It's so annoying. Anyway, shut up, man. 
but but I like the little bit of suspense we get with this. It's not just they they immediately come up through a floor vent and they're uh, killing everybody. Uh, but even just that 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 uh, thing where Morris is like, oh, I can't get on any of the servers. What's going on? And then all of a sudden, season two, going to full lockdown. Oh yeah! Oh, he's choking on it. I brought up season two. No, don't mention that. But it's come on. I was almost over that. But it's season two because this is exactly how they discover in season two, just before they're about to be attacked. It's like wait, wait, wait! I lock down everything before it's too late. Yeah. Um. But uh. But I I still I like this main uh henchman guy here. Uh. Especially when he asks. Uh. Once they rounded everybody up, it's like who's the leader here? And he got Milo. I am the leader. Milo Press. He gives a full address. Milo Pressman. CTU agent and man, because a man <laughs> should be running the show. <laughs> None of these women. Uh, and uh, I, I kind of get what you're saying. Like it's a, it's a throwaway death uh, because we don't really have any repercussions after this. But to me, this is 24 breaking their formula. You know, the, the, the audience is so conditioned to if somebody majors can be killed at this hour, we're going to do it. That I actually, I really like that. It's just, oh, I'm Milo. I'm in charge here. And just boom. Um, and, and again, similar to a lot of the diehard things in this episode, it's very much like diehard, that scene where they've got the the the, the leader of the corporation or whatever. Says, oh, you're just going to have to kill me. Like, okay. And he just pulls the trigger. Uh, just coming out of nowhere. I mean, that must have been a shock to the audience. I don't think I'd go as far as to give it a top five of the season, but it is, to me, I like the fact that this is not your typical death and that it is just very quick. It's it's there and then you're, you're caught off guard by it. And look, again, I agree with all of that and that's exactly what I feel they're going for. And I, I watched this live and I remember being shocked and they go out of their way to try and do it. But I think the issue is when you do a death like this, there's ways and means that you can do about sticking. I mean, it was it kind of seemed like I deliberately planned that to bring out the Samuel L. Jackson death in Deep Blue Sea, but it, it literally wasn't. But like, I think mm. that the reason why, I mean, there are many reasons why that stood the test of time and that's become an iconic moment. It's meme worthy. It's a bit silly, but like that was a death that I watched for the first time. I was like, fuck. And you are yeah. taken aback, even though like in hindsight, it's a bit silly. The, the, the graphics look a bit dumb and it is kind of obvious if you really pay attention. But, like, there's, there's reasons behind it. The, the story, like, everything around it, you've got to build up to a moment like this where it's worthy of a moment like this to really fully take it. The Terry death. You spend a mm-hmm. whole season. Even Chappelle and Mason's death, uh, are like, they're built to a point where it deserves that moment of your emotion and your reaction. This doesn't. And, like, that's not to take away from Eric Balfour or the Milo character. It's an entire season arc where we've never really connected with Milo on a level. And so like while his death is shocking, I would argue the most memorable thing about the Milo Pressman character is his death and his incredibly large penis. Um, <laughs> I just, it like, it's a one-time moment that you watch and you're shocked and then it just, it loses everything. And then it's literally, and again, you shouldn't judge a moment based on what comes after it. If, Cause again, you try to put this in the context of when it's happening at the time. But I can't help it because, like, you literally forget this guy is almost a thing. Like, in, in like, I don't know, half an hour's time if you combine all the episodes. So I see what they're doing. I've only marked it as a potential top five because I think any major character's death in this show should somehow be in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, uh, last season, you know, we got the Tony quote death in there, even though that wasn't a death. And I sort of fought for that a little bit, but I had my reasons for that. Obviously, that was cheapened by the fact that he isn't really dead and they kind of forget about that at the beginning of the next episode. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I just eh, rip Milo. I don't even know we need to eulogize him, do we? I mean, he didn't come in no. there at 5 a.m. to format files. He had some sunflower <laughs> seeds, forcefully kissed a woman and became... Why isn't he out in the field? Every available agent. Well, I'm sorry. He was an agent about 12 hours ago. I don't see the sling anymore. He can move. Exactly. He's healed very quickly. Yeah. Um. I, I, I think that even on a rewatch, this still holds up because... Because again, it's it's not something that I think that they ever do again. I mean, if you look at like Lynn's death, if you look at uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, Edgar's death, I mean, even Edgar's death, I feel like they they dwell on it. There's a chance to dwell on it, and to me, it's it's the context of he's dead, but nobody there can really actually react to this because we're gonna be dead too. Whereas with Edgar's death, it's like you have a chance to process it. The audience has a week to process. This isn't even the end of the episode. And yeah. I think the other thing that uh, I actually kind of like about this is that um, we don't have that build-up. Because you're right about, like, Mason and Chappelle. But, like, Mason, if we're really looking at it, he had his last two episodes that really made you care about the character. Chappelle had just that one one or two scenes in just his last episode made you care about it. Yeah. I I think they never would have gotten the surprise if they did that. If they had had the scene between Nadia and Milo and then she had responded with more than, 
I don't know, just get back to me in an hour, you know? Uh, we wouldn't have had that shock. So the fact that this is has never really been duplicated again, I still kind of like. Yeah, no, true. I mean, it's a good point, but I'm just, I'm actually just, I'm thinking out loud in my head about major character deaths from this point on because they are kind of few and far between. Uh, I mean, there are some, uh, but like in terms of that weight, I mean, I can only really think of two that really are significant enough and I guess two and a half. Uh, I mean, you know, my men, thoughts on men, the... Men, men, men. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of kissy, kissy, nakey, nakey on that show. Um, you know my thoughts on Renee, but yeah. Uh, I mean, this is the only major character death in season six as well, so... Yeah, I read that trivia and I was... I didn't think that could have been true, but uh, apparently it is. Um, so the rest of this is... Well, the is... entire show nearly died this season, so... <laughs> That's, that's enough of a major the, character. So. Half the cast never came back. Um, but uh, so while they're doing this, Jack, of course, we got very clear parallels to Die Hard as everybody else is being rounded up as hostages and guns are going off. Alan Jack's Rickman. in the one room alone by himself. He manages to sneak out. He disarms somebody. He's, you know, sneaking away. He's got Marilyn. He's got Josh. He's trying to get out. Uh, he has Josh climb through the, the, the air ducts, which... I mean, other people have kind of pointed this out recently, even with like Die Hard. It's like, those are the cleanest ducks ever. I mean, I actually I actually worked for a while cleaning air ducts. And even when they're clean, they are filthy. Uh, you don't, you don't want to even run your hand in there. So it's always funny to me when I see like these spotless air ducts. Uh, in, but very clean organization, CTU. They clean is a very good people. That's, that's what you do if you don't have anybody formatting files. That's what Milo has been doing. Uh, well, he hasn't been able to go out in the field yep. and just get a, get a little toothbrush and get in there and clean the air ducts. Some kid may have to climb through them, but uh, only Josh gets through. Uh, they round up Jack and Marilyn and then their uh, henchman here, uh, Zhu, he's, he's holding Marilyn hostage and uh, basically broadcasting that uh, the, they're going to kill this kid's mother. Cause they all, they want the kid. We don't know why they want the kid yet. Uh, and we're going to kill her by the count of 10 if you don't come out and reveal yourself to one of my men. And it comes up to 7, 8, 9, and all of a sudden, oh, we got him here. Um, I, at this point, again, I, I'm just saying, just kill her already. <laughs> like, so just be done I, with... I, I lose both my parents. I could go live with grandma. I like her better. Bye, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, this is where the audience is supposed to be, like, seven, eight, nine. Oh, thank goodness he came out. Meanwhile, the audience like, seven, eight, nine. No, no. <laughs> Why could you be a second later? We would have been free of at least sure. Marilyn and then only had to deal with Josh. Um, now, of course, why is it that they want uh, uh, Josh? Because we get this phone call where Philip Bauer is back. Oh, he hasn't been there in who knows how long. Uh, we've already talked about this. We thought that like James Cromwell had a bigger presence in the season. Uh, I did read the trivia bit here. I didn't catch it at the beginning of the episode, but this was apparently spoiled where it was meant mm. to be one of those surprises where it's it's uncredited and. They're, they're very good with that, but they actually build James Cromwell at the beginning of the episode, so people kind of knew uh, where that, they were going with that this. That man wants his SAG credits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, James, we're going to keep this a secret. No, I want my $200,000, but it needs to be a spot. I want my my babe money has run out. All right, Mr. Oh, Cromwell. I, I guarantee James Cromwell is one of those guys where it's like, I'm getting my pay for this. <laughs> if I'm going to be on a show this bad, <laughs> I'm going to get paid for it. Okay? I was the Queen's husband and President Bush's dad. <laughs> And Farmer Hoggett, you will pay me. Uh, but, uh, I mean, a little bit of the action stuff is good. I like the the henchmen. I like Jack playing John McClane, even if it is, you know, a little bit too much of a ripoff. Um, I just wish that Josh and Marilyn were dead off. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we know the story. We've talked about it before, about there nearly was a 24 diehard crossover. So maybe this was kind <laughs> of like uh, the the audition. I really have... I, seed. I think I ranted enough i just don't like this i'm sorry and this this henchman guy he's just uh he's i don't uh, why do you like him like i just he's he, he's he's got a huge physical presence he's he's commanding he's menacing he's just a cartoon character like i, I yeah i agree with you but he's just so who isn't on this season <laughs> i don't know uh the desk got section seven um kenneth Choi is completely wasted I, I think this might be his last episode as well uh i could be wrong but um, you know, nine one ones, Kenneth Choi. We should actually, in all seriousness, uh, did you see the uh, the actor during the week? And I forget, is it Adam Vera died? Uh, is that his name? He's a uh, one of the major characters no. on Designated Survivor. Both Kiefer and uh, Kim Raver posted about it. Um, uh, apologies if I'm getting he's uh, Adam Canto. Sorry, not Adam Vera. Um, so he was also in 
Um, what else was he known for? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no. I've I've definitely seen this because he was on that. That yeah, and um, uh, there's a TV show he was on now called The Cleaning Lady, which is mm. actually a really good show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I because I, I saw Kiefer post about it, and when I saw like the picture of them, like, oh, I know that guy. Like he was one of the main characters in Designated Survivor, mm. and um, and then yeah, Kim Raver. I mean, she was only in a couple episodes of Designated Survivor, but she uh basically post something appendix cancer damn so yeah very recent there but I, he was not in 24 but just randomly bringing that up because i didn't really want to talk about this episode anymore so and i mentioned <laughs> kenneth choi so uh, <laughs> kenneth choi designated survivor um apparently related but uh yeah this episode shit i'm sorry uh other trivia things we haven't talked about already here um uh, i love this one Milo's hair looks different in this episode than the previous ones on day six. That is, a uh, I didn't one. notice that because it, it, it's been a couple weeks since we watched watched an episode. But then I looked and I'm like, it does kind of look different. Like he obviously <laughs> taken another role at this point and had to jump the gun and dye his hair slightly Without brighter. Twenty four wiki, where would we be? <laughs> I, I like the um, this episode is tied uh, for the largest number of people listed in the previously on oh, twenty four yeah. segment ever. So we get. In day seven, seven a.m. to eight a.m. and day eight, eleven p.m. to twelve a.m., you like this is a this is a tie. So um, yeah, do you want to hear the best trivia ever though? Oh, absolutely. So um, Tara Bennett Delulio has has come forward and started the the year at least when we're recording this with a bang. Uh, there is a stupid interview with Evan Ellingson, rest in peace, Evan. But uh, after this episode, <laughs> you probably deserved it. But anyway, in January two thousand and seven. McFarlane Toys revealed their new line of 24-inspired action figures to be released later that year. And I, I remember when they were released, and I, I was too young to couldn't afford one, and it's so hard to find out, but I, I still want a Jack Bauer Barbie doll. Um, the, sorry, action figure. The line was delayed <laughs> when Sutherland unwittingly destroyed the prototype sent to him by the company after a night of play-free torturing the plastic version of his so Kiva's drunk. He's got his toy. He's climbing Christmas trees. He's like, ah, oh, damn it! I'm Jack Bauer. Oh, I've, just, I've just been rewatching all the Mr. Bean episodes and like the Christmas episode when he's doing the little nativity scene. That's yeah. that's Kiefer with his little Jack Bauer toy. Exterminate! He's gotten drunk and he wakes up the next morning. Uh, uh, guys, uh, problem. You've got another one of these toys, right? Uh, no, Kiefer, that was the only one. <laughs> Shit, um, you might need to put a hold on those. I kind of put him in a blender to see how tough Jack Bauer was. Um, like, oh, trust me, I'll pay for it. Do you take cryptocurrency? I'm sorry. Like, we're never getting Kiefer on this show. We realize that. But if we ever do, of the questions we have to ask you, that's near the top of the list. So, Kiefer, thanks for joining us. Uh, I heard a story about you destroying the prototype for the Jack Bauer action figure. Can you tell us more about this? Oh, love it! That that's made this. Maybe episode. he wrote a song about it. Yeah. Well, next time I go see him live, and he's telling all these great stories. <laughs> hey, so I destroyed this toy once. Have you seen these bloody bourbon whiskey ads yet? No. Look they're at not airing here. Well, like they're not airing here either, but they're on his Instagram. <laughs> like he, he keeps sharing them, and he's just like every single one is just basically like he sits there and he's just he tells like a great moment in Canadian history. So he would just be like. <laughs> In uh, February 2010, it was all tied, going into extra time, and then <laughs> Sidney Crosby got the puck from Jerome McGinley and put it in the net, and Canada celebrated. My whiskey's Canadian too. And that's, <laughs> like, that's what it is. Like, it just, he just tells a Canadian history story, and he's just like, bourbon, whiskey, I'm Kiefer. Like, he's just like, all right, I'll buy your fucking whiskey. I don't know if we pay him if he could do the... Colin and Jamie Hilding conceived their children on the same dates. <laughs> Great Canadian <laughs> moment years. in history. Colin and Jamie Hilding have sex. <laughs> um, I'm bidding this episode, as I said. It, and as for rankings, <laughs> I'm actually going to count here because you said it's bottom 10 for you or it's just outside bottom 10. Uh, it's bottom 10 overall. It, right now, it is the worst episode of all time for me. So this is 141 oh, okay. of 141. So. <laughs> well, I've got it 131 out okay. of 141 right now. So it's just outside my bottom 10 currently. I have uh, four episodes from season six, five episodes from season six that are lower than this. Wow, season six. Pick well, up your game. Yeah, I, I mean, this will be 206 overall of 216. So there will be... 
uh, four season seven episodes and three legacy episodes below this for me. So um, just there's your spoiler. No season eights? No, no. Season eight, season nine get reprieved from uh, bottom 10 worst of all time. But uh, yeah, I'm looking at my from 200 to 216. Uh, all episodes are from season six, seven, or legacy. <laughs> so <laughs> the the next, the highest non six, seven, or legacy episode I have in my lowest part of my rankings at 195th is season two, episode 11, which I believe is the Cougar episode. Uh, and then above that, you've got to go up to 189 for season one, episode 17, which I believe is Terry Gets Amnesia episode. And yeah, uh, basically from 185 down to 216, with the exception of two episodes, it's all six, seven, and legacy. Uh, can you read us our write up for next week, courtesy of uh, Ben Waterworth? Uh, courtesy of me, yes, because I'm the 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 be all and the end new all. authority. Yes, indeed, Colin. Uh, I am not stalling for time while I find that because it is in front of me right now, and it says. Uh, just as bad as the episode before it, only this one doesn't have a cheap main character death. It does, however, have Josh Bauer being rescued, but then stolen from Jack to be given back to Jack's dad because, you know, he's evil and wants to protect his legacy so bad. Uh, yeah, that's, that's all you need to know about next week, I think. Uh, we have our Scott Pilgrim episodes, which I think we're wrapping up, or we might be doing like a full series recap at this point, but the series should be wrapped up. Um, as well, we're now entering Ghostbusters month. We which, are. I mean, this is. Are you going to call? At the time we're recording this, I was going to tell you they bumped up the release date of the movie, so we may have to swap around our movies so that we do um, what the, the first part, whatever it was called, Afterlife. I think before the female Ghostbusters. I say we just so, do it in order. I don't know. Uh, um, you you want to go into the second one without seeing the first? <laughs> well, I can still watch them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you I, can. <laughs> I will say, like, just uh, on that, Ted. Like, I, I I got all I acquired all copies of the movies that we're covering this year. And um, some of them, obviously, we're doing certain sequels of certain franchises, which I've never seen anything before. So, for example, I've never seen an Alien movie, and we're doing Aliens. So I made sure I got all the other Aliens. I'm thinking, will I watch them all? Maybe. Similar to um, the Superman 4. I have not seen... I've seen all the Supermans, but I was very young, and I cannot remember them for the life of me. So uh, I may have to do that, because I'm fixing my Plex up, and I've got all these franchises that I kind of want to be a completionist. So, um, yeah, so with the Ghostbusters now, ones and the Planet of the Apes ones, I've never seen any of them except for the, the Tim Burton one. So, anyway, now, I, we have, uh, I think, I think we have uh, the Canadian on Canada and Australia with the Canadian movie Cube on there, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, certainly. Did do. you find the sequels to Cube? I didn't know there were sequels. I think, I think, oh, there's two. Well, I think mainly, well, I think I look at it from more if we're starting with a sequel, then I need to watch the other ones. Whereas, like, I know we did yeah. like Get Shorty and I've never seen Be Cool and like I did mm. watch Gremlins 2. So, there are some that. You know, like I haven't seen the sequels, but then when we do Independence Day Resurgence, I'm like, oh, can we just do the like? How are we doing Resurgence? We've never done Independence Day. Like this is offensive. Well, I was just gonna say the second Cube movie actually stars an actor who is in this episode here, because uh, it stars oh. Carrie Matchett, aka Lisa Miller. I was say Kenneth uh, Choi. Cube two, Cube two, Hypercube. Yes, her and Kenneth Choi. Peter McNichol. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ghostbusters is. A thing now we're gonna have at least two good episodes are you like <laughs> I, I again we'll not talk about this in the episode because we haven't recorded it yet but are you like because i know like cable hello cable if you're listening mad mad ghostbusters man i think that's his franchise I, like are you uh, a massive ghostbusters yeah. fanboy I'm, I'm pretty sure the first ghostbusters made my top 10 favorite movies of all time if it wasn't top 10 it was like top 15 is very high up there i love the second one um i really didn't care for the the all-female ghostbusters and i might have liked the the afterlife, the the one that precedes the new one that's coming out, even less than the all female one. So uh, I, I think we've been we've been due for a good Ghostbusters movie for over thirty years now. I yeah, I've seen the first two like when I was young, and it was similar to you know some of the other ones we've talked about. It was just never a franchise that like took to me like Back to the Future or these other ones like from the eighties. Like I didn't dislike them; they were fun, and I think I remember liking the second one better than the first. The second one is the one where they're like, oh. The Titanic just docked and you see all the ghosts like getting yeah. off it, right? Like, and yeah. the Statue of Liberty comes to life. Yeah, the second one I always like remember, I remember liking more than the first. I, I saw like the first hour of the women's one and I was like, sure, this is a movie. Uh, I didn't <laughs> hate it, but like I was just kind of like, mm, what's the point of this? Um, and I've not seen Afterlife. But it's got, hi, I'm Paul Rudd in it. So, you know, <laughs> what's not to like? The trailer looks really uh, good for the new yeah. one. Because I remember watching it, oh, End of the World movie, what's this? And I'm like, oh, it's a ghost. Well, 
What I'm what I'm excited about is the trailer looks like they're actually doing something different because my biggest problem with Afterlife, the last movie, was that like you know the star the Star Wars movies made the same mistake. Let's just remake the original movie as opposed to doing anything original. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I have some expectations, some decent expectations for the new one that it might actually deliver. Um, so listen to whatever we have coming out and follow us on social media. And sign up to our Patreon if you feel like it. I'm sure by this point, if not some point before the end of the decade we will do our suddenly soothing Caroline in the City uh, Veronica's Closet and Jesse Month <laughs> it shouldn't even be that hard I don't know why we haven't done it yet yeah sitcom um, we've never really covered sitcoms on I always said to Nick like we're doing friends because that's not going to take us long they're 20 minute episodes and what do we say they get into an awkward situation they laugh they solve it lol buy it like I mean it's not going to be this that part hard. was funny ha 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 exactly so I, I think sitcoms in hindsight should be very easy shows to cover so yeah yeah so we got no excuse. So just sign up and pay us and we'll deliver it. Um, thank you for joining us. My name is Colin and eh. Yeah, my name is Ben and meh. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs) 